Well, I hope you're nice and comfortable sitting at home this morning. I hope you are bundled up and warm. Uh, it is winter time in Southern California. You know, the weather has gotten all the way into the 50s. Woo so for those of you on the East Coast, look, I do not feel bad for you because life in California has its drawbacks too, but one of them is not winter. I love the winter time. And uh, I, I know I can say that because wintertime in Southern California is different than it is everywhere else, but that is okay. I love wintertime. I love storms. Um, I, guess, I guess that makes me kind of weird, but that's okay because Jesus is weird. And uh, so I'm in pretty good company, right? I remember my first impression when I first came to Christ reading the Gospel of John. I read the Gospel of John beginning to end, and my thought when I closed the book was, wow, this Jesus guy is weird. He, he says weird things, does weird things. He, he says things like, you know, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no part of me. I'm like, what? This guy is weird. He does weird things. He, he gets upset over weird things. And then things that I would get totally upset about, he is totally chill. And I'm like, what is going on with this guy? So I guess being a little weird puts me in good company because Jesus is weird too. What was I talking about? <laughs> oh yeah, storms. Storms, right? I love storms. I remember um, this year is my 35th wedding anniversary with Christy. We're celebrating 35 years this year. And uh, I mean, I'm probably celebrating more than she is. She's enduring, but I am celebrating. And I was thinking about this. We were driving on our first anniversary. Our very first anniversary, we decided to get away. We went up to San Simeon, California to stay at the Madonna Inn for our first anniversary. And we were heading up the coast and it was raining harder than I have ever experienced rain before. Now, I grew up in Southern California. I'm a beach boy. I did not learn how to drive in weather, right? And so I remember driving up the highway, and it's raining so hard that with the wipers on full speed, I still cannot see the road. You can't drive fast because you can't see anything in front of you, and you can't stop because the people behind you can't see you. And so literally, I just remember white knuckling it up this highway for an hour or more while the rain just gushed. And I, I remember when we finally got there, just kind of peeling my hands off the steering wheel because it, it was so tense. And you know, probably uh, unlike a lot of other wives, my wife is not always the most comfortable when she's in the passenger seat and I'm driving. And so she's tense and I'm tense and we're here to celebrate our anniversary. But generally, I love storms. I was in a plane one time over an electrical storm. It's the most spectacular thing when you look down upon a storm and you just see the electricity spreading. It's not great when you're in the clouds, but when you get above the clouds, the storms are incredible. So I love, love, love weather. I love storms. But the kind of storm that I struggle with is not a weather storm. It's what I would call a life storm. Life storms are different. Life storms don't take place in the sky or out in the ocean. Life storms usually take place in places like hospitals. 
and uh, courtrooms, jail cells, places like that, when everything begins to shake in your life. The Bible has a lot of stories about storms. Uh, a lot of stories about both kinds of storms. The weather storms, a lot of those in the Bible, and life storms. There's even more of those in the Bible. And since our society has been going through kind of a stormy season, to say the least, it seems like a good time for us to think about what the Bible teaches us about the storms of life. And so I want to invite you to join me today in the Gospel of Mark. Open to the New Testament. Uh, first book is Matthew, second book is Mark. Go, go to Mark chapter 4 in your New Testament. And I want you to join me toward the end of Mark chapter 4. We're going to actually begin in verse 35. So Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 35. And just follow along as I read the first couple verses. On that day when evening came, he, Jesus, said to them, let's go over to the other side, the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with them. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Now, I, I want to give you some context here so that you, you get a real sense of what's going on. These storms happen all the time on the Sea of Galilee. And by the way, when we call it the Sea of Galilee, we are not talking about a sea. We're talking about a lake. It's a big lake, but it's a lake. And I would say, just to give you some perspective, it, it's like half the size of Lake Tahoe. So it's a really big lake, but it's not that big. The thing that makes it interesting, though, is that it is the lowest elevation freshwater lake in the world. It, it exists among these hills 700 feet below sea level. And so what happens is the wind comes over the hilltops in the afternoons and whips up the sea. And these storms are common on the Sea of Galilee. And uh, in fact, in modern times, they have measured waves of over 10 feet on this lake. So when you're thinking about Lake Arrowhead, Lake Paris, you know, Lake Elsinore or something like that, and thinking, how could they have a storm like this? You're thinking wrong. They have massive storms on this lake all the time. And all of these guys that are in this story grew up right on the shores of that lake. Half of these guys were professional fishermen. And so this must have been a much more severe storm than your typical average storm. Look at verse 38. Jesus himself was in the stern asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? So the storm was such that it was scaring them to the point where they thought they were going to die. That is a serious storm. These are professional fishermen who were used to this lake, and they're freaking out. Now, Jesus is asleep. I told you he was weird. These guys are scared. And they have good reason to be scared. Apparently, they've never seen or been through a storm of this magnitude. This is the kind of storm that people do not survive. Boats sink in a storm like this. 
<laughs> but Jesus is at perfect peace while the storm is raging. You know, Pastor Dave last week, great message last week. He talked about the peace of God, which surpasses understanding. These guys couldn't believe that Jesus was sleeping because what they saw was a storm and they didn't understand about the peace of God. So they assumed Jesus didn't care. Uh, now let's just stop there for a second. That is a really easy mistake to make, isn't it? When life deals you a raw, a raw deal, when, when the storm is raging in your life, haven't you had those moments where you just shake your head and go, where is this good God who's supposed to take care of me? I mean, if God is so wonderful and he loves me so much, why is he allowing this to happen? Again, while you sit in a hospital room, while you sit in a jail cell, while you sit in a divorce court and you have these kind of thoughts, like where's God in all of this kind of stuff? It is easy to assume that if God's not stopping the storm, he must not care. But think about this. These guys were doing exactly what Jesus had told them to do. Why were they in the boat in the first place? Because Jesus told them to get in the boat. Why were they out in the sea at that time of day when, when storms tend to come up? Because Jesus told them to go to the other side. So let's clear up a common misconception right now. The presence of a storm in life does not necessarily mean you're outside of God's will. Don't assume that if God is allowing you to go through a great storm in life, that it means he's chastising you or that you're in trouble with him in some sort of way. They were doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. And still, they were in the scariest storm of their lives. And if you think about what you know from the scripture, this is the norm, not the exception. I always think of Job when I think of trials, right? Nobody went through worse trials than Job. And why? Why did Job go through the trials he, he went through? Was it because he was so wicked? That's what his friends thought. No, it was because he was so righteous. It was because he was right in the middle of God's will that he got caught up in this spiritual battle that was going on in the heavenly places. You think about Jesus. I always picture Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane sweating great drops of blood, falling over on his face under so much pressure, begging the Father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not uh, my will but yours be done. And then he gets up and goes to the cross where he lays down his life right in the center of God's will. John the Baptist got his head chopped off for doing exactly what Jesus wanted him to do. Same exact thing happened to Paul. Peter got crucified upside down for doing exactly what Jesus told him to do. John got banished to a deserted island where he died for doing exactly what Jesus told him to do. And he's the only one who died of natural causes. The other disciples all were put to death for their faith. 
See, this, this common teaching that goes around today that says, you know, uh, if you're suffering, you must be outside of God's will. Only thing God wants for you is health, wealth, and prosperity right here, right now on earth. It's not biblical. All the evidence is to the contrary. They were doing exactly what Jesus told them to do, and the waves were still breaking over the boat. There's another misconception we should probably clear up. Some people think that if you go through a storm in life, it means that God has abandoned you. But where was Jesus during this storm? He was right there with them in the boat. They hadn't walked away from him and still the storm was raging. He hadn't walked away from them and still the storm was raging. They were in the scariest storm of their lives. You see, just because Jesus was with them, just because they were in the middle of God's will, didn't make what they were going through any less scary. They were still scared. I mean, they were panicking. I remember being scared like that one time out in the sea myself. My older brother, uh, Mike, had a, had a you know, small, like a 22-foot uh, boat that we would take out um, fishing. And I'm talking, I was a little kid. I'm, I'm maybe, you know, eight, nine years old, something like that. And I'm with my two brothers. One of them's an adult. The other one's a kid like me. And we're out there, just the three of us, and off of the coast of Long Beach, and we're fishing, right? And it's not like we're fishermen. We don't know what we're doing, and we're just casting our lines. And all of a sudden, my brother catches something, and it's big. And he's trying to reel it in, and it's taking line. And we're like, wow, you got a big one, you got a big one. And we're leaning over the side of the boat to see what it is as this fish comes near. And it wasn't a fish, it was a shark. (laughs) A big shark. Now, the movie Jaws had been out recently. I'm a little kid. I see this shark, and he's attached to this line. And my, my brother is like, hey, I caught a shark. I caught a shark. Let's get him in the boat. And I'm looking at this shark going, if that shark gets in the boat, I'm getting out of the boat. I don't want anything to do with this shark. I start screaming, no, no, no. Cut the line. Cut the line. This shark swims right up to our boat, and I'm freaking out. I'm picturing the movie Jaws. We are going to get eaten by this shark. Now, in reality, it's probably like a four-foot shark. But to me, my life was in danger and I am freaking out and my two brothers are laughing so hard they're crying. Because they think that I think we're going to put this shark in the boat, which is exactly what I thought. They knew we'd never get the shark in the boat. He was going to cut the line. The shark was going to go off. But I remember being so scared that I was going to wet my pants because this stinking shark was so close. Still to this day, my brothers mock me about that day because that's what brothers do. I can tell you that when you are scared like that, You don't care if someone else is at peace about the situation. My older brother was fine with that shark, but I didn't care. You don't want somebody to tell you that everything's going to be all right. What you want is for someone to get you out of the mess you're in right now. So the disciples were understandably scared. When the waves are breaking over the boat, they're scared. 
because the boat is filling with water. And there's a crazy thing that happens when a boat fills with water. It sinks to the bottom of the sea. And it's filling up faster than they can bail it out. <laughs> so that's what's happening here in Mark 4. But if you've ever been to Sunday school, you know that's not where the story ends. You know what happens next. Jesus gets up, stretches his arms and says, hush, be still. Look at it, verse 39. Pick it up with me. And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, hush, be still. And the wind died down and became perfect. Uh, the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, why are you afraid? How is it that you have no faith? Wow. One word and the sea becomes like glass. Jesus may be weird, but he's powerful. Listen, big, scary storms are inevitable in life. I want you to just kind of go on a little tour of Scripture with me. Turn to the back of your Bible. Find the book of 1 Peter. It's almost all the way to the end. Go to 1 Peter chapter 4. It's right after the book of James. 1 Peter 4, and I just want you to see verse 12. This is a great verse to mark in your Bible. Because here's Peter writing, and he's writing to the church that is undergoing severe persecution. And here's what he says. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. He's like, why are you freaking out at these? I know they're threatening your life, but you seem surprised. Why are you surprised as if some strange thing were happening to you? I mean, Jesus said that if they hated him, they were going to hate his followers. Just turn a couple pages to the left and go back to James chapter 1. James chapter 1 verse 2 says this, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. Not if you encounter various trials. When you encounter various trials. It shouldn't come as a surprise. It should, we shouldn't react as if some unfair thing is happening to us. God says life is full of fiery ordeals. Life is full of various trials. And James goes on to say that's how you become mature. God's actually doing you a favor when he allows some storms in your life. But man, it doesn't feel like that when it's happening. But guys, we've got to settle on this. Big, scary storms happen in all of our lives. Listen to how Jesus explains this to some of his disciples a couple of years after the event in Mark. It's in John chapter 16. So go to the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Go to John chapter 16. Jesus is uh, speaking to his disciples. Look, listen to what he says. John 16, 33, he says this. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. There's that peace of God that Pastor Dave talked about last week. If you didn't hear that message, go back and watch it. So these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world 
you have tribulation. But take courage. I have overcome the world. In the world, you will have trouble. Jesus told us that. A storm doesn't mean that God doesn't love you anymore. A storm doesn't mean uh, that God is mad at you. Sometimes storms just happen. That's life in a broken world. In Matthew 5, Jesus says that God causes the sun to rise on the good and the bad. He says he causes the rain to fall on the evil and the good. Sometimes storms just happen. Nobody is immune, not you, not me, not even these men who were the closest to Jesus. They still had to face storms. We're all going to face storms. But here's what I've learned. There are a few storms in my own life. Jesus is revealed to us in the midst of the storms. Jesus is revealed to us in the midst of the storm. You get to see Jesus in ways you don't get to see him when there's not a storm raging. In fact, let's go back to Mark again. Mark chapter 4. Get back to our original passage in Mark chapter 4. And, and look at verse 40. Um, it says this. Well, let's pick it up in verse 39. And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, why are you afraid? How is it that you have no faith? And they became very much afraid and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I'm not surprised that they were afraid in the storm. That, that in verse 40, that, that word that says afraid, it really means uh, timid or even cowardly. Why are you so timid about this? But verse 41 always catches me by surprise. Let me read it again. They became very much afraid and said to one another, who then is this that the wind and the, and the sea obey him? See, they were a little bit timid when there was 10-foot waves breaking over the bow of their boat. But once he calmed the sea and the storm disappeared, it says they were very much afraid. Or maybe your Bible says terrified. That's a good translation. So they went from timid to terrified when the storm stopped. Why? Because they looked at Jesus. This is early on in their relationship with him. They looked at him and realized what we're dealing with here is much bigger than a rabbi. What we're dealing with here is much bigger than a prophet. What we're dealing with here is God himself. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And they began to tremble in terror because they realized they're in the presence of the living God. The worst storm of their lives had made them timid but getting a glimpse of who Jesus is made them terrified, very much afraid. Listen, I know we have all been collectively going through some storms lately. I mean, as a culture, as a society, worldwide, 
We've been going through some storms lately. COVID is a massive storm, the likes of which none of us have ever seen in our lifetime. And, and, and by now, any of the discussion about, well, it's fake, it's not real, and nobody's really getting sick from this, that's all ended, right? Because, because you know somebody who's in the ICU right now. You know somebody who's already died, and we're going through this, this thing that we can't control, and it's terrifying. And, and when you look at the social unrest, the political unheaval, upheaval, all the stuff that is going on, financial hardships that are happening in this economy under these circumstances. I mean, we are going through some storms and that's what motivated me to talk about this today because guys, we're going through it. And we need to remember some of these truths because not only are we going through storms collectively, but some of us are going through our own private storms right now. Maybe there are things people know about. Maybe there are things nobody knows about. But we're going through storms ourselves. Health-related issues. Relationships that are crumbling and falling apart and we would just do anything to fix them, hold on to them, change the circumstances. But we don't seem to be able to. Grief, because we've lost loved ones. Fear, pain, anxiety. I know we're going through it. And I don't want to minimize those things. I don't want to imply for even a second that these things are no big deal and that God doesn't understand why you're afraid. But there is something we all have to remember. It is often in our times of greatest difficulty that Jesus reveals himself most Clearly, right? A candle shines brightest in the darkest room. Think about all the stories in the Gospels. You know, people who are, are paralytic or blind or demon-possessed. And it's in that condition that they finally cry out to Jesus and experience healing and salvation. And grace. I think of all the lepers that are cleansed by Jesus who are going through suffering the likes of which none of us can even imagine. And then Jesus comes along and they see him for who he is because he sets them free. I think about the woman caught in adultery, thrown on the ground in the temple courtyard in front of all these men and, and under the penalty of death. And she finds the grace of God in Jesus in that moment. Or how about Lazarus? He had to die in order to see who Jesus really was. I always am so blown away that Jesus knew Lazarus was dying and chose not to come till after he died. Sometimes it's our times of greatest difficulty that we actually get to see Jesus for who he is. Who is Jesus? He's all-powerful. Even the wind and the waves know his name. He's perfectly loving. He's, he's perfectly wise. Even in the midst of the storm, he's got everything under control. So I have good news and bad news for you today as we wrap up. First, the bad news. Jesus is not going to let you skate through life without having to endure some storms. Sorry, don't shoot the messenger. That's the truth. And I know that's bad news. 
whether those storms are of your making, because let's be honest, some of the storms we enter into are because of our own choices. Whether those storms are somebody else's sin against you, and we've all suffered because of other people's sin, or whether those storms are just one of those things that happens. Sometimes your boat is going to fill with water. There's no avoiding it. That's the bad news. But here's the good news. Jesus can handle your storms. Jesus is not caught by surprise. Jesus is not handcuffed and unable to do anything. Jesus has not abandoned you. He has not left you. He has not become mad at you. He has not forsaken you. Jesus is right there with you in the boat and he's at perfect peace. That's the good news. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. This story from Mark is depicted in a famous uh, work of art by Rembrandt called The Storm in the Sea of Galilee. And I want to show it to you. So here it is. This is a, a picture of the painting. It's a fascinating painting. You might want to look it up on the internet late, later. Uh, it's interesting to count the number of people in the boat, right? Because if I said how many people are in the boat, you would say 13, right? There's the 12 disciples and Jesus. But there's actually 14 people in this painting. You know why? Rembrandt painted himself into the picture. Because what he was trying to say is that we all go through these storms of life and we need to look to the Savior when those storms happen. And you look at this picture and it looks terrifying and you see these guys working diligently trying to make this happen. But don't miss down in the bottom right-hand corner. Here's Jesus. And there are some men who are just turning and calmly looking at Jesus. What's Rembrandt trying to say with his artistic interpretation of this? He's trying to say that even in the storms of life, the wisest among us are the ones who turn and in perfect peace look to Jesus. Let me give you some perspective. You don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read to you from the book of Romans. And here in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 35, it says this. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we're being put to death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Can you say amen to that? Nothing's going to separate you from the love of God. Nothing can, can undo what Christ has done for you on the cross. Jesus is all-powerful and he loves you with an unbreakable love. Maybe it's time to stop being so amazed at the storm and start being amazed at your Savior. Let's pray together. Lord, we call on you in the midst of the storm. For some of us, it's a private storm. For some of us, there's ways that we're hurting. There's fears that we have that no one even knows about.
For others, it's just this corporate thing that we're going through that is a, is a dark tunnel, it feels like, and we wonder if we're ever going to get to the end. Lord, we, we hear the sound of the, of the sea raging. We feel the spray of the ocean on our faces, and we can feel the water beginning to build up in the boat. But, oh, Lord, may we follow the examples of the disciples. Call on you in the midst of this storm. And whether you choose to calm the storm today with a word or whether you choose to allow us to endure it for even a little longer, may we put our complete trust in you. May we turn and look to you. May we rest in you. That the world might see the peace of God which surpasses understanding and be drawn to the one who is the source of that peace. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.